thank you for that reading, a long but amazing story that we're going to be reflecting on um, this evening as we continue to think about the resurrection, the amazing reality of the resurrection and what it can mean for us and how we can take hold of it. And this is continuing on from Josie last week who talked about a resurrection appearance about Mary meeting Jesus at the tomb and what that can say to us about grief. And the week before that where Toby talked about how we can know the resurrection really happened and how we can make sense of that. So if you missed either of those, you can catch up um, listening to the podcast or on YouTube. Great thing to do as you go about your week. But tonight we're going to be thinking about another of the resurrection appearances, the one we've just heard with the two disciples walking back from Jerusalem to Emmaus, probably a husband and wife, Cleopas, we're not told the other disciple's name, but most people think it may well have been his wife, and they're traveling back from Jerusalem to Emmaus when they meet Jesus. And we're going to be thinking about what that can say to us and trying to open our ears to hear with this same risen Jesus who walks alongside us today, how he can speak to us and how we can take hold of this incredible story about a change of direction, about a change of attitude, about a change of faith, about how Jesus speaks to us and how he can be more fully revealed to us. And it really is an amazing change. These guys start their journey feeling so despondent, so downhearted, but by the end, they are heading back to Jerusalem, back to the danger that they left, and full of certainty rather than confusion. And I don't know if you've ever witnessed that kind of change in someone, perhaps change caused by meeting the risen Jesus. About 20 years ago, I spent some time at a monastic community called Teze in France. It's a religious community of prayer, of worship, of service, where young people from all over the world can come and be and reflect and think. It's a really incredible place. And as I was there, I met a young man who was sad and earnest and seeking direction. He didn't really know why he was there. I think his grandma had suggested he go, Um, but we got chatting, and he was quite amazed to discover that I actually believed all of this stuff, that I believed that the Bible could speak to us, for example. So he came along with me to a Bible study that some of the monks were holding. We lost touch. Um, But 20 years later, I was at an event and heard someone calling my name, my maiden name, in fact, across the room. He came over, and um, I didn't recognize him at all. So we met 20 years ago. We met at Teze 20 years ago, and that was the beginning of a journey of transformation for me, of meeting the risen Jesus. And he really was transformed. Uh, The fear was gone, and he had confidence The sadness was gone. He was full of joy, the joy of knowing the love of Jesus. And that's a joy he's gone on to share with many, many others. He now leads a large and thriving church. And it was just so exciting and so moving to see this radical change in him. But that's the kind of change that walking with the risen Jesus can bring. It's not always instant. It certainly wasn't for him, and for many of us it won't be. But let's have a look at the story and see what it can say to us about how we take hold more fully of that power and presence in our own lives. So for them, this change of direction is literal. By the end, they're going back the other way, back to Jerusalem. But it's also a change from despair to hope. When we meet them, their eyes are down. They are downcast. 
They are reflecting on all that's gone wrong for them, which is quite a lot. They've been in Jerusalem. They've been there probably for the Passover. They've been hanging out with Jesus and the other disciples. They've been hoping that this is the Messiah. But then he's killed on a cross. And their dreams are shattered. Their hopes are smashed. They've heard rumors that he's alive, that the tomb's empty, but they are just confused. They don't know what to make of this. And so they decide to head home. They, they head away from the fellowship of other disciples. They head away from danger, from uncertainty. They go backwards, back to where they'd come from. And we hear in verse 21 this plaintive cry. They say, but we had hoped. They had hoped, but their hopes had not come to pass in the way that they thought they would, or at least they thought they hadn't. So they're going back. And if they did believe that Jesus was the Messiah, they have reduced their vision of who he is because they express their ideas about him, saying he was a prophet. They're now describing him as a prophet, not the Messiah. He's not lived up to their expectations. And I wonder if any of this rings true for you. I wonder if any of you feel like you're going backwards a bit of disconnect maybe from fellowship with other disciples, like things haven't turned out quite as you hoped. I know that's certainly true for me this year. There have been various things that have not been as I might have hoped. And that can be hard, can't it? And it can be tempting to look down. But as they meet Jesus, as he comes alongside them, the first thing they do is begin to look up. They look up and they focus, instead of on their own concerns, their own problems, they start to focus on him. They start to listen to him. They start to be aware of this presence with them. They're sharing with him what's on their mind. They tell him about all this stuff that's happened. They're looking up, they're communicating, they're talking to him. And that's the first thing we can do, I think, when we feel despondent, is look up, is start to share with Jesus what's on our mind, what our fears and concerns are. But they don't recognize him. This is not an instant fix. I think for some people on their walk with uh, getting to know Jesus, it is pretty instant. For example, Paul on the road to Damascus, a different journey, a different road. That was pretty instant, wasn't it? But for these guys, it's not. They don't recognize that it's Jesus with him. It takes time for that revelation to kind of come to them. And he seems to be quite a normal person. And this is pretty interesting because actually at the time there were various sort of writings about resurrection, various stories emerging, but all of the other ones have stories of a ghost or a kind of corpse sort of thing we see in films today, to be honest, when this happens, people shining with light. But that's not what we see here. We see a pretty normal guy, normal enough that they describe him as a traveler or in the passage Josie spoke on last week as a gardener. So he's pretty normal, not entirely normal. We find out later he can walk through walls, and certainly at the end of this passage, he kind of disappears quite suddenly. But this was a really unique portrayal of resurrection at the time. Someone who's normal, someone who's approachable, and yet isn't, and yet is transformed. I wonder if you've ever been slow to recognize someone. I certainly have. Um, I used to work in TV, and I went to various award ceremonies with lots of famous people who I completely failed to recognize. People would always say, oh, you were talking to so-and-so, and and I I would have not noticed at all, Um, partly because they seemed so normal. And a few years later, I was working leading a charity supporting Christians in the Middle East, and I got invited to this special service at the Egyptian Orthodox Church. And after the service, I went to this kind of drink stew, and I was chatting to this priest that had been there, really kind sort of guy, really interested in um, the work we were doing in the Middle East. And he looked 
familiar. He definitely had quite distinctive eyebrows. Um, but it was only as his quite anxious chaplain sort of ushered him away that I realised that it was the then Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams. So recognising people, you know, doesn't always, doesn't always happen instantly. And I think actually this might be something we need to get used to emerging from lockdown. Uh, different haircuts, people looking quite different. I've already literally won, run into one friend, actually, who I entirely failed to recognise due to a quite radically different look. And these guys are slow to understand that Jesus himself is with them. And we can be slow, I think, sometimes to recognize the presence of the risen Jesus with us, to recognize that he is walking with us, he is talking with us, he wants to share things with us. But they do look up and they begin to share what's on their mind. And the second thing that they do is start to listen, start to listen to him. They've shared their confusion And he begins to speak into that. And the primary way that he does this is through the Bible, through the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures that they were familiar with. And he begins to unpack them with them. They discuss them together as they walk along the road. We don't know which passages he spoke from, but there are actually loads he could have chosen from that speak really specifically about what was going to happen with the Messiah in ways that it would have been impossible for Jesus to plan to fulfill. And so they discuss them. And I think as he talks, there's this dawning of realization. The um, image that came to mind as I was reflecting on this was of doing a puzzle, almost as if the pieces of the puzzle were hidden in the pages of the Bible. And Jesus was taking one out at a time, giving them to them, and they were beginning to piece them together and make a picture And sometimes pictures, uh, puzzles are quick, aren't they? And sometimes they're slow. And I think that can be the same with us when we're seeking to listen to what God is saying to us. Sometimes it happens slowly. Sometimes it can be quick. We got quite into puzzles over lockdown and we ran out of the puzzles that we had. So we asked my parents if we could borrow uh, any that they had. And they lent us one of the most random puzzles I've ever done. This was a picture of them 25 years ago, pretty 80s, um, that had been made into a puzzle. So we sat there and we started to do it and we realized that some of the pieces were quite weird shapes. There was sort of someone dancing and a palm tree. It was very random. But as we did it, the picture of them in the 80s began to sort of emerge before our eyes. And I think this is sort of what's happening here, that Jesus is going through the scriptures and saying, here's a piece, here's a piece, here's a piece. And as they build it, the picture of who he is begins to emerge before their eyes. And I think some of the pieces probably were quite unexpected to them as well. I imagine they'd hoped that they were expected that the Messiah would be some grand king that would come and rescue them from the Romans, not a suffering servant, as he might have shared with them from Isaiah. And sometimes it can be hard, I think, to see what God is saying to us in the Bible. But this passage is an amazing encouragement that as we read, if we ask Jesus to be with us and to speak to us through it, he can reveal who he is if we persevere. And it can take a while to respond generally, I think, to what God is saying to us. I know I've had times in my life where God has said something to me quite strongly, and yet it's taken years, perhaps, for that to come to fruition. And as they walk with him and as they listen to him, it's, it's certainly not instant, and perhaps 
a little unexpected. I've been praying with a friend recently about her career path, and we've been asking God to speak, we've been seeking to be attentive to what he might be saying. And I think, to be honest, when we started praying about it, we felt like we probably had a good sense of where it was going to land. There was a sort of job opportunity on the horizon, and, but actually, as we've listened, as we've been attentive, things have not turned out as we expected. And this can be the way with God sometimes. And I think for the disciples, this would have been an incredible Bible study, probably one of the best Bible studies ever. I would love to have been there and heard what Jesus illuminated to them as they read. And we hear later that their hearts burned within them. Their hearts burned within them as he opened the scriptures to them. I wonder if you've ever had that experience when you're reading the Bible of something almost being like highlighted or coming out in bold and your heart burning within you and just this sense of what God is speaking to you through that. Or perhaps it's been when people are sharing things that they feel like God might have been saying maybe at the end of a service or in a prayer time with a friend and your heart just burns within you and you know that God is speaking to you that he's revealing something about who he is, something about a situation perhaps in your life, something about the reality, in this case, of his resurrection. Sometimes when we eat a meal, it can take a while to realize all the flavors that are there. Maybe it's a curry or a stew, and as we eat it, we think, oh yeah, I can, I can pick up this spice or that flavor. And sometimes reading the Bible, I think it can be good to approach it in that way. We can chew it over and we can just slowly begin to realize all the richness and revelation that is there. Sometimes it, I read a passage two or three times and just listen to what God might be saying in different sort of layers through that. And studying together can be really helpful too. These guys discussed it on the road. They discussed it together and with Jesus. And, you know, groups at St. Nick's can be a really good way to do that, to begin to discuss with others, to reflect together on what the Bible is saying. And there's shortly going to be an opportunity to sign up for groups. So if this is something you want to do more of, to chew over the Bible, to, to ask, where is Jesus in this? Where is God in this? Can he help me in my confusion through this? That's one way to do that. So they look up, they listen to what he's saying to them, but this is still not enough. I think this is amazing that they've got this burning heart, they've got this conviction of what Jesus is saying to them. They've had this amazing Bible study. He's with them, but they still don't understand because actually it's not enough to know about someone, is it? It's not the same as knowing them. We can know loads of information. And sometimes this is people's journeys. You know, it was with me, actually, in my journey to faith. I knew a lot of stuff about God, but it was only actually when I started to know him, when I started to open my heart and let him in to my life quietly that I began to realize and really have a sense of who he was. And this is, this is what lets him in ultimately to their lives, this third step on their journey where they do let him in. They welcome him. So the passage implies actually in verse 29 that he would have continued on his way when they got to Emmaus. But we read that they urged him strongly, stay with us. They welcomed him in to eat with them, to join them in their ordinary life, to share a meal. And it's in that fellowship it's in that welcome that they suddenly understand this is, this is the risen Jesus. Jesus is alive. Jesus is with them. And it's as we welcome Jesus in and let him into our hearts, into our lives, into situations perhaps that he's speaking to us about, that we have that full revelation of who he is. 
And sometimes, actually, it can be a step of faith. We need to let him in first, as they did, before we understand the full revelation of who he is. And he leaves with us that initiative. He leaves with us that choice. It was their choice to welcome him in, even though they didn't fully understand. We don't always have to have it all worked out before we let him in. It's true in our lives, and it's true in situations that he is speaking to us about. So I wonder this evening if there's anything that God is speaking to you, if there's anything that you felt your heart burn within you about. Maybe you're still a bit confused about it. Maybe you're not sure, but you know that God has been speaking to you. I would encourage you, on the basis of this passage, let him in, and he will reveal himself fully. The risen Jesus is with us tonight, and he wants to make that more fully realized in each of our lives. And this realization of resurrection brings them joy. It brings them excitement. It brings them this radical change of direction. They run back to Jerusalem. They run back to fellowship. Now, it was late. It was after dinner. It was probably super unwise to get back on the road and run back to Jerusalem, but they did it anyway. And this is the effect that resurrection and the realization of that can have today. It can bring us this joy, this shift of perspective. It's about a year since my father-in-law died. And it's been a sad year, but a huge comfort within that has been knowing that he let Jesus into his life and that he is with him now. And seeing the effect, particularly on my mother-in-law, his wife, that that hope has had of her despair transformed to joy that he is with God now has been absolutely extraordinary. And it's something that's really come alive this Easter, that resurrection power, that resurrection potential, that at the end of the day, death is to defeated and all will be made new. On Easter morning, I went for a walk very early. It was still frosty, but the sun was rising and sun was streaming through the field that I was in. The sun was there, but in the shade, there were patches of frost. And I think that is the reality, in a sense, of the time in which we live. The sun is risen. He is with us. But frost remains, shade remains, hard times remain. But God is with us in that. He is constant. He is unchangeable. All will be made new. Easter day was beautiful sunshine, but a few days later it snowed. And life can be changeable, can't it? But we know the end of the story. We know that death is defeated, that all will be made new, that we can welcome him in. His constant presence His power with us can transform any situation. So as I close, I would just like to pray um, for you that you are able to lift up your eyes and look at him, that you are able to listen as you read the Bible, perhaps this week, see how he's revealing himself to you, and that as our hearts burn within us, we can invite him in. So let's pray now. Jesus, we thank you that you are with us, that you are alive, that you make all things new. And I pray that you would speak to us this week, that you would help us to look up, lift up our eyes, to look to you, even when it is hard. That you would help us to listen to you, that you would open our ears to be attentive to what you're saying through your word, through one another, and that we would let you in to our lives, to our hearts, to situations that you're speaking to us about, that you would reveal yourself more fully. Amen.